is Lance Howard, and I want to welcome you back to the Healing Voice Podcast. This is the third episode of Season 3, titled, What is Happening Here? So much has been happening in this year of 2020, and what can we do about all the injustice and unexpected tragedies that have arisen? I really enjoyed the audience participation in this episode. We addressed questions like, does our understanding of truth affect our experience of freedom? How does love play a role in our experience of freedom? Around 23 minutes, I begin to share about things in life that never change. One of them being the awareness of life itself and how respect for I amness in each person can change our world for the better. We have all experienced a variety of painful and happy experiences. In this way, we are not so different. If we can understand the other person's story, we find that they are our other self. We can begin to see our diversity as a beautiful work of art instead of something to fear. We start with um, racism and division in the country and We've shared a lot of stories, a lot of great stories have been heard from everyone who wanted to come up and speak at the microphone. Um, a variety of perspectives on, um, I guess, why the world is the way it is. <laughs> um, and we've talked about economics capitalism and the effect that has on this uh, this system of things I guess I could say um, how we live our lives and the decisions we feel like we have to make because we're in a certain um, culture where we, you know, obviously we have to take care of ourselves and we have to pay bills. And we've talked about the systemic nature of the ego and how as human beings, we struggle with our own inner voices or voice. And that voice typically plays out in worry, anxiety, we call it stress, um, but it also can show itself as a experience we call depression. Um, so we pointed to the ego as this human experience of, of um, negativity and fear and how that also reaches into um, our organizations because it takes humans to create organizations. So when we bring our anxieties and our stress and our fears and our judgments and all these other things that I would call baggage, we bring these into our organizations 
And so one of the questions we asked was, well, you know, we've tried to create positive change in our world, especially along the lines of racism and division. Um, we've tried to create change for a very long time, right? We have decided that we want all people, regardless of their gender or background or culture or where in the world they might be from or originate from, we want them to, to know and uh, have the experience of freedom. And so let's create um, a bill of rights and a constitution and laws and organizations to help support the freedom that we say we want to offer to all people. And then as you know, time moves forward, we continue to see a lot of the same struggles and we maybe have imagined that things are fine and that things are a lot better than they once were. And on some level that is true and on another level we still see that we struggle with the same issues. And I for one have come to see racism as less than about um, this dividing line of, or between black and white, but that just the idea of division, period, the idea of us versus them or me versus you, suddenly I've made a class out of myself and a class out of someone else, right? And... Um, we kind of see this battle playing out in so many different parts of our world. No matter what country you're from or what the color of your skin is, we see this idea of racism as part of the human experience that is very, very old. It's a very ancient struggle for humanity. And we've talked about how that, um, how that essentially poisons our ideas of innovation. How do we make this better? How do we create uh, better programs and have better institutions? And after the uh, the four talks we've had, we've perhaps come to a conclusion that as long as the human heart is still dealing with the um, as long as the human heart still deals with the pain and the, the trauma of being misunderstood and mistreated by anyone and on any level our organizations and institutions and so on and so forth those things will still be uh, our best attempt at change which still will not be good enough because we are hurting humans we are humans who are in need of 
reconciliation. Humans need healing. Humans need to be understood. And the most beautiful thing about the talks that we have had has been how it seems to me everyone has felt very open and safe and able to, to come up and, and share and speak with an understanding that we are here in this space together because one, we choose to be, and two, there's something about the invitation to come to something like this that is that says this is a, a safe place and your voice is needed, your perspective is important, and the more I can hear you and see you and know your perspective, that actually helps me learn how to better navigate the world. And if we, and I hope it is true that that's what makes um, healing a, a reality for each one of us. That seems to be the case for me at least, is if I can sit down and talk with someone and they show that they are open-minded and want to listen, and they want to have a healthy dialogue and conversation where no person's um, idea or perspective is there to control or, ma or manipulate or overrule uh, the other person, but that I have ideas and you have ideas and together we have many more ideas. Um, that there's something very effective about us coming together and how we might be able to change our own lives before we talk about going out into the world and changing the world. So with that, I kind of want to, I'd like to open it up and just ask in general, what's happening? <laughs> on any level that you have in mind or want to share what's happening is it and that could be related to what's in the news it could be what's related to uh what's in your household or or in your workplace or something that maybe heard in a previous talk that that i have given that you i don't know would like to explore more or if there are any questions about any of those things I just would like to open it up. Okay. So what's been happening? It's 2020. Like what's not been happening? Um, I have been studying and researching and learning history. I had a private school education and did not actually learn history. I'm you know, in my early 40s and just now learning actual history. And um, that's fun and interesting and sometimes highly emotional. I've also um, been paying very close attention to the news and everything that's happening, um, the entire Black Lives Matter movement. I've researched thoroughly um, the controversial aspect of it. And I landed on all Black Lives Matter because I don't understand why a movement that started in 2016 didn't get this kind of momentum until 2020. Why in that span of time, 
lots of police brutality happened and voices were not screaming in the streets. Um, that in Africa, there is still active black slave trade and people don't know about it and are not screaming in the streets. So what can I do? That's where I land. What can I do? And I have been participating in, um, I actually came across a lovely couple in Nigeria who has a African Youth Development Initiative and I've been helping them. So African youths who just, for whatever reason, are not able to get education, they're educating them, teaching them. They're actually fashion designers in Nigeria and teaching them how to sew, how to do fashion design, how to become self-sufficient. And I enjoy helping. I just, I started donating and paying attention to the news around the world and seeing how this little, little act is in my own personal way, a rebellion against the world that is full of injustice. Um, and bringing, I, I am a person of ethnicity, but my race is human. And this is my way of working with the global community and the human race. So that's what's been happening with me. I like that. All of it. Thank you for sharing. There is a lot in the world. Um, and actually our last talk last week, um, that was one of the things that we discussed were all of the noise that there's so much, the world is a big place. And in the information age, there's a lot of information to there's a lot of information available. And the thing about having information is then knowing what to do with it. And I say that, uh, sure, we have a lot of information, but this is not the age of wisdom, meaning knowing what to do. And I can become kind of a, a bookshelf of knowledge, but if I don't know what to do with the knowledge I hold, then what good is it at all? I personally seek wisdom um, as much as I can, and <laughs> Wisdom is not so readily available as information, books and charts and news reports and articles. And it seems that wisdom is the ability to know what to do in a certain circumstance or just how to be in a certain circumstance. There was something that Kim just said that made me think of something I wrote a couple days ago and it started with world full of lies. And I think it was something about you saying, um, you know, I have a 
an education. I have a private education, but I did not learn history. And I was watching the Hunger Games on Friday night with with some friends and I don't quite remember what it was in the movie that made me begin to write this, but in the first line, as the movie's playing, I wrote World Full of Lies. I was clearly seeing this in in the movie and it was the, the third of the four movies. And I said, how can we be free if we don't have truth? And there's this old um, proverb in ancient principle of wisdom that says the truth will set you free and so maybe when I'm frustrated or even angry or uncertain or sad or whatever the case might be I'm not feeling great I'm not feeling good I am ultimately seeking freedom from something. Let me see if I can say that another way. I guess I would say discomfort does not feel free. So I want comfort. I guess I would say feeling ignorant or like I don't know something also doesn't feel very free so I'm seeking knowledge or I'm seeking wisdom I could say if I'm feeling anxious what I what I'm wanting is peace um, and peace is where is on that side of freedom anxiety is on the side of imprisonment so to speak so Again, there's this negative side of things, whatever the, the experience or the feeling is, there is no freedom in the negativity. The freedom is in, we could call it um, love, we could call it, what else could we call it? Um, Isn't it funny? You just know freedom. You just know what it is. You may not be able to put words to it. It's something like love, and it's in the category with love. It's uh, it's broad. It's open. It's it's full of light. It's illuminated. It's there. There is no darkness there. There is no shadow there. And there was something about um, this fear of death that is portrayed in the movie. And I wrote, they call it the ultimate price, death. They call it the ultimate price. And I wrote something interesting. The purpose of this life is to learn how to die. That is the only way to truly live. There are some similar sayings um, that are really, really old in ancient scriptures from all over the world about humans finding the ability to um, essentially crush the ego and that as we hang on to things in our lives, 
Um, it is the hanging on that puts us in a predicament to feel anxiety or to feel loss because we hang on to things that we ultimately have no control of anyway. We have the uh, illusion of control in, in our minds, right? Um, but we ultimately know in our heart of hearts that nothing lasts forever. So it is more wise for me to learn to let go now of I'm letting go of that which I actually have no control over anyway actually puts me in a place where I can better where I can be more grateful and thankful in the moment and love the people around me better because I'm setting them free have you ever been loved by someone whose grip is so tight and then that leaves you not feeling very, very free, right? It, it's kind of choking. It's controlling. It's manipulative, perhaps. And that doesn't mean um, the person is doing that intentionally. It's just the nature of attachment and what attachment does. It, it grips. It just does. And I realize that I don't want to be the person who's gripping onto anyone or anything. Onto anyone first because, because you are human. Because you deserve to spread your wings and fly. Because I know the happiest version of you is when you are free to be who you are and you are free to do what, what makes you feel best without having to look over your shoulder and wonder if um, I'm unhappy with you or upset with you or if there's some kind of odd repercussions for me if you do something I don't agree with right this is again kind of um, the nature of what it is to be free versus the nature of what it is to to be under control i guess there's something about the question so what do i do that is very challenging and it's like walking this line of freedom and not being free at all it's you're towing the line when we go so what do i do because there are times when i have to say this is larger than me and what I'm able to do is only about this much in the grand scale of things, but I believe in just this much. Does that make sense? Just this little bit that I can do has to have an effect in the world, especially if it comes from my heart. So if what Kim is deciding to do is coming from her heart, she is in fact having a positive effect in the world and hopefully she feels total freedom and joy about doing what she's doing. If on the other hand, we feel like what we're doing comes out of obligation or some sort of duty and it adds to the baggage and the weight of just trying to live our day-to-day -day lives, there's no freedom in that. And it's so there's this careful balancing act with 
How do I follow the conviction in my heart and still remain an open, free human being through whom life and love can just flow through? Because as soon as I begin to feel overburdened by any of this, I'm no good to anyone. The one consistent thing in life, one consistent thing in life. I can think of a few actually. They never change. <laughs> one, the sky. The sky covers the whole world. It is consistent. It is beautifully blue and it covers the whole world. Never changes. The ocean, let's just say water, as, um, as one of the supportive elements of life. It exists, H2O, um, though we can pollute it, H2O, water, cannot change. It still supports life, even when we pollute it. Uh, maybe air, maybe oxygen also supports life, covers the whole world, cannot change. Absolutely essential to our well-being. The sky, water, air. The ground beneath our feet, though it tremble and though it can quake, it is there and we build our lives upon it all over the world. These are all elemental human experiences that support this unified experience that we call life. We all share in it and have a role to play in it and that we would dare to think somehow one human is less deserving of sky and air and water and earth than anyone else is the most ridiculous illusion we could ever allow to exist. The thing about sky and water and air and earth and their consistency is that there is something before them, before them that is also consistent and supportive of life. And it is deep within each one of you. The one consistent thing in life is I am. It's conscious awareness. Every living thing experiences I am. Even the mosquito has a sense of I am because when Jesse swings his hand to knock it away, the mosquito wants to live. It is self-aware. There's an amazing book, I cannot remember the author's name, The Hidden Life of Trees, that there's this underground network and uh, trees have a way of 
existing and communicating and there's there are things going on in the community of trees that scientists are now very aware that they are aware plant life is aware though they move slowly <laughs> they are aware i saw a time-lapse video of a plant in a room all by itself and it, it did not move over a course of a few days but when they put something in the room with it and left it for a few days it began to grow towards the item in the room this pure formless awareness that you have when you close your eyes and there's nothing there's no object to be seen in that space right um, That is a very consistent thing. What is not consistent about us is our, our thinking, the way we perceive the world, the way we feel about anything at all. We know that one day we can feel a certain way about one particular thing and the next day that feeling is gone or we suddenly have a different perspective of of the item or the, the object. And so thoughts and feelings are not consistent. They can be unstable, perhaps. But just the self-awareness, your ability to say I am is very consistent and it will be with you always. It's always been with you and it will always be with you. I think I just wanna bring all of this around to again, sky and air and water and earth as like these, these truths that exist in life and support us, support life. And that our experience here, though um, it's full of diversity, right? <laughs> this unified experience of life is full of diversity. Um, we realize we are in this one experience together, but we don't talk about it like this very often. It's like we're so immersed in the in the game of living life and in this movie, this movie that's playing on the screen of consciousness without going, oh, this is all just a movie. Because the way I'm seeing this, literally, in this moment, the way this person, Lance, is seeing this experience is not the way Kim or Jesse is seeing this experience. Literally, we're sitting at different angles in this space, looking in on the experience. And that should be fascinating to us, that each one of us can be here and be experiencing such unique things, even in this moment, because, <laughs> because we're each that creative. We each have the, these powers of differentiation and we can discriminate and judge 
and listen to those words they 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 are used negatively but to discriminate and to judge is just to differentiate that's the the, the basic meaning of the words right we can judge in a in a harmful way but we can also judge things rightly we can discriminate in a harmful way but we can also discriminate rightly which is to say oh that's a ripe strawberry and that's an unripe strawberry right this is correct discrimination or judgment though each one of you are very different than me i see each one of you as very unique expressions of I am. You have your own I amness. And for me to know your story, at least in part, if I can even get a part of your story, I become a better human being. Because I will most likely realize that the same values that I have, which are, well, freedom, as we've already talked about, love, peace, yeah, the best things in life. I think we all share the same values, no matter where we come from or how different we look or, or the fact that um, we've each made some very unique mistakes. Each of us have lashed out at some person on this planet <laughs> at some point or another. We've all experienced anger. We've all experienced sorrow. We've all experienced guilt and shame. We've all experienced love on some level. We've all experienced uh, confusion. We've all experienced hunger, fear. We've all been let down. And in these ways, we aren't so different. Any thoughts so far? Any comments? Should I come up there if I want to say something? You know, I think that microphone on the camera can probably hear you just okay. fine right there. Um, <clears throat> so many thoughts going through my head that it's hard to pick which ones <laughs> to, to land on. Um, I grew up here in Alaska and I, I think that I've been really sheltered from the black experience, you know, racism and certainly being white, uh, I've been very sheltered from that. It's been incredibly moving to watch the statues being dismantled. That's just been, you know, my response to it. I was in the Deep South once, not that that's the only place that racism is, you know, by a long shot, but it was kind of an appalling experience. And 
and part of knowing that there's this whole world of things going on that I'm sheltered from. And, you know, and I almost don't even feel like, like it's like my time to speak about this. It's more like a time to listen. But I appreciated what you said about that your life is richer too when you know, you know, our stories or whatever. And I'm really grateful for this even happening because I haven't really known like how to connect to it. And how to feel like it's personal um, because of how few black people I know. I, I can't even believe it. And, you know, but I did hear someone, someone was being interviewed about this topic on the radio the other day, and they were like, you know, somebody was asking them, what's the answer to what can I do? You know, how can I help? What's my role in this? And the person being interviewed said, educate yourself about the experience of the other, the quote-unquote other. And and so, you know, I realized, like, I've, I've kind of been doing that. There's a movie called Glory Road that is, it's a really incredibly touching story. And then I read a book by one of, it, it's about the, the NCAA basketball championships in 1966, which was won by the all-black Texas Miners, Texas Western Miners, against the segregated and all-white Kentucky Wildcats, who were by far the favorite to win. And it's an incredible story. So I got a book by one of the players who was part of the championship team and it's called Slam Dunk to Glory. Unless you think it's not a serious book, it's an incredible book. Oh my God, it was just amazing. And and even in that, you know, watching the movie and reading the book, I like you can see there's subtle but but powerful, I think, racism in the movie, which was created by Disney and tweaked and modified. And it, there's sort of there's there's this other story about that event that it was so worth hearing it from someone who lived it and and the last thing i'll say is that i think in addition to wanting freedom from the things that hurt us i think there's this like incredible longing for reunion with the so-called other and that that like unity is what we long for there was a conference right after, um, I think coronavirus started, and the conference was called. It was it was held by Native American leaders in the country, and the conference was called "Hello, My Other Self." And I think it's even possible when you like you talk about community or connection. Even connection has to be between two things that are different or separate. And, <clears throat> but if you think of it in terms of like, the rest of the world is just my other self. It feels a lot deeper than connection. And I, I think we can't rest, any of us, until we are 
aware of how every other molecule on the planet is our other self and every other person on the planet is my other self. That's fine. That's really good. Thank you. So the movie was Glory Road and the book that you found from one of the players yeah. was Slam Dunk to Glory by David Latin. Big Daddy Latin. Slam Dunk to, to Glory by yeah. Big Daddy Latin. Yeah. Okay. Such a good read. Connection to the other self. Is that how you said that, I think? <laughs> the name of that conference was Hello My Other Self. But okay. yeah, you yeah, that's that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, the other day I was talking to someone, I can't remember who, and I I had the thought, this is another, ex this person is another expression of me, the I am in each one of us. And it really does change the way you see yourself and people that Yeah. Um, it's powerful. And, uh, you know, quantum science has coined this experience. Um, they call it the unified field of existence. And that essentially at the smallest scale of, of existence as we know it um, everything is one everything is waves and forms of energy frequency um, and that life itself is is this awareness We've been so very educated on the nature of division and separateness, and it's really time to awaken to the nature of who we truly are and what life truly is, which is, again, going back to this game or this movie playing on the screen of consciousness is we what if I began to see all of this difference as something beautiful instead of something to be afraid of or to be worried about? That is the experience that I am fortunate enough to, to live out more and more every day. It's like, oh, this is... This is only troubling or bad because that's the way I was conditioned to think about it. That was the narrative I was given from this talk. I was told that these people or that place or this religion or that, you know, this, that, us versus them, this ongoing story that essentially says there are so many things to fear in the world stick to 
your group and your people and you are safe. And every ounce of marketing, advertising, which would equal, or, well, maybe not equal, but perhaps synonymous, <laughs> I'm not sure. I just want to say there's something about politics that is very similar to this um, marketing, this us versus them, or, you know, if you don't think this way, then, then you must be on the other side, and something's very wrong with the other side. We've been up to that in human history for a very long time, and um, it doesn't seem to be working that well for us. Though we continue to play the game, we continue to put up with it, but I think we're very miserable in, in it at the same time without realizing the misery and the trouble we're putting ourselves through. You know, have you ever had... Um, Have you ever, okay, there's the story of um, the man who watches his wife cut off the edge of the ham before it goes into the oven and he doesn't know why she does it and she doesn't know why she does it. She says, that's just the way my mom taught me. You, you always cut off the edge of the ham. And so finally she asks her mom, why um, she always cut the edge of the ham off and she said it's just because the pan was too small <laughs> so have you ever had anything like that in your own life where, where you've done something a certain way for so long and finally someone goes you know you don't have to do it that way there's there's another way there's a better way there's a more efficient way or you learned it that way because under the circumstances, those were just the tools that you had or that we had. Um, the point of me saying this is we have done things a certain way for so long and it's just the way it's been handed down to us. And so we can reinvent the world however we want to as long as we can think outside of the box, outside of these parameters and these boundaries of how to exist and how to communicate with one another and how to see one another. Changing our language is a big part of that because in, in the first talk that I gave, I um, had this short explanation of the definitions of, on the words black and white and that by definition, these terms don't actually apply to humans at all. But this is part of our collective language now, and we can't get away from it, right? We have, we're so immersed in it, and we're stuck in it. And when you say Black Lives Matter, it is instantly a divisive issue because in our minds, not all lives are black. So that's, a, that's an us versus them in someone's mindset, in someone's frame of mind or way of existing that instantly um, causes friction and there's a sentiment behind the phrase or the sentence all or black lives matter right there's a certain sentiment that that is trying to be pinpointed 
And that makes sense to a lot of us, I think, right? It's There's a long history against a certain people group, and we've ignored certain things about what's happening to this people group for a very long time, and that's the sentiment behind Black Lives Matter. Um, that is a great thing to pay attention to. It would be nice if we had a more creative way to discuss it with a different with a different label that isn't so entrenched in this heavy, horrible history of division between people groups. And because not all people with skin as dark as myself come from the same heritage or lineage as I do. So it becomes a very interesting uh, conversation is to more easily well I don't know if it's more easily but I'll just say the same is true of me calling someone white what does that mean exactly it it's such a such an a large umbrella to put a lot of group of uh, a, a lot of groups of people into right um, and there's just something not very balanced about that approach it's not well balanced and I don't know if you knew this but the ancient word for justice actually means balance um, and I'm doing this because I'm seeing the old scales right that was the term for justice it was, it was just when both sides equaled out. It was out of balance or unjust if one weighed more than the other. So how do you balance the scales? How do we reach this justice? How do you balance the scales? How do we reach this justice? It's a good question. And I think I want to say that Again, if we can re-educate ourselves in realizing the unity that is actually the underlying foundation of all of this diversity, maybe we'll lose attachment to the need or the desire to compare at all. I don't Perhaps the statement can become, I don't need to compare myself or this group of people to that group of people or myself to anyone else, because what is true about all of this is that though we are diverse in how we look, what is most true about us is all the same thing. Maybe that's a way to balance the scales. I really think you have to begin back there though at the education thing because it's this growing up with certain things that you know your parents, your community teaches you and the town I grew up in about 800 people. Um, my parents were staunch Republicans, very conservative. And um, so 
I mean, the Republican even, this was us and Democrats were them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, I got uh, married really young, left school in the ninth grade. And in a, uh, later on, I came uh, across a mentor that helped me uh, get a GED. and go to college and it's like you said we don't even know the history but when I got to college not only did I learn a whole new world but we read black authors we heard their story and that's a huge part of it is hearing what you said earlier is hearing other people's stories yeah it's it's really the whole judgments about things i don't know and therefore don't really understand because unfortunately as a human being we each carry around this voice that i've been alluding to um in in previous talks and a little in this one you know the ego there's something in our human nature that wants that has the full capacity to take all of this differentiation and diversity which is actually quite beautiful and say something's not okay with all of this diversity um there's and so this this ego part of being human will really allow me to create any story I want to about a circumstance or a person that I don't know anything about. And the most wise thing I can do is to just say, you know, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that person. That is the most wise thing I can do rather than let that inner voice begin to talk away about <laughs> about that individual or that group of people there are definitely things i don't understand and um i would prefer to be humble about that and just admit my ignorance rather than let the ego take over and say things like Oh, they just need to change. They're rotten and no good because they're doing whatever they're doing and I don't like it, so they just need to change. That is injustice. The scale is no longer balanced. I'm saying essentially that I'm better than. And this goes back to just saying that as long as humans aren't able to perceive themselves in these ways with this level of knowledge about unity and diversity but also knowledge about uh, our own inner struggles and voices if, if we're not aware of these things we can formulate we can do our best to create new systems and institutions and organizations and on and on but and the purpose statement will be great and 
the value statement will be wonderful, but we will still have humans uh, carrying their shadow into that organization. In some way, that shadow and that ego will find a way to play out the same stories within what started out being a really good idea. Just one conversation can change the world. I believe that. This is one today. Thank you for being here. Um, I had one. I went to dinner by myself on... What night was that? Wednesday night. I decided I wanted bottomless fish and chips. <laughs> so I went to Stewart's Folly and had fish and chips. And it's bottomless there for $17. Um, I can't eat that much really, but I had two baskets, so. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> um... And I was sitting alone with a book and there was a, a man and his son across from me. And um, I was so intent on just reading and enjoying the sunset. It was nice outside. And um, so I did. And then his son got a little bit cranky. I think he was maybe around 11 years old or so got cranky and started to raise his voice a bit and telling dad it's time to go and I'm ready to go now come on let's go and dad goes look I just want to sit here a little longer have another beer go sit in the car I can see you from here I'll, I'll be there just go ahead and go and so the sun goes and um, this man and I begin to talk and uh, I think he saw the book and began to ask me about the book and um so the book is the wisdom codes by greg braden and uh he asked me what it was about and so i began to share with him about it and um, he had some really um, positive comments about how a book on ancient words that heal our hearts is important for this season of time, right? The year of 2020 has been such a wild ride and he was just saying how he thought it was neat to see someone reading something like this and, and um, just our conversation went into all sorts of things about being human and the struggles we have and how important it is to learn to look within so we can become better people and help one another and and this man um this man fits under that umbrella term white that i'm saying i would like to change the way i say that but I don't know how to <laughs> right the, there it is I didn't know what to say but I and why was it even important for me to say that is it important because we're so entrenched in the 
in the division that I couldn't even portray how wonderful the encounter was without you knowing that me and this man were very different from one another. And is that, is that a problem? I could have just said he was very different than I. I didn't need to say he was white. Or I could have said he was not nearly as dark as I am. All <laughs> right. And then you could have assumed the rest. Anyway, it was a delightful conversation and he was a complete stranger and he got up and he offered his hand and I shook it and um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful because everyone's afraid to touch one another. Everyone's afraid to talk to strangers, especially if you don't look alike, perhaps. You know, it, it was just a refreshing encounter. I'll pause there. Any thoughts or questions? I, I don't know. I have this feeling that when hearts are healed, it'll be okay to say he was black, white, yellow, whatever, red, because yeah. diversity is good. Yeah. It's okay. I think it's interesting that that came up that I conversation with a Native American friend of mine, and we have fair skin. And so Yeah, why is it important to check on that that checkbox, whatever the application is? Why is that necessary? The, the problems that we're having now, to make to a large degree, derive from the different experiences we have with regard to privilege or not privilege. But I think it's important to acknowledge that. I mean, you know, the experience you had with this guy. The reason that the discussion was important, possibly subject, but possibly the reason it was so good that you had this discussion and enjoyed it, was that you communicated across with some privilege. I don't know what your experience was and how, how much privilege or not privilege you grew up in, obviously. 
some difference, but totally privileged. Yeah, the word privilege is, uh, it's another one of those words very deeply rooted in, in this, um, can I just call it the old world? I want to think we're, there's an emerging new world at this time and we're trying to think through creative ways to to shift and change and to become more aware and that the world doesn't have to be the way it's been any longer so um so then the word privilege is There are so many angles on the on the word, you know. I and I don't know where to begin, really. Um, we all have some level of privilege, and then there's this label on privilege that's called white privilege, and that's that's like it's complicated. It's messy. And I don't feel like I can adequately speak to, to it. I just know that being a dark skinned person in America, I have certain privileges afforded to me that are not afforded to a dark skinned person um, in parts of Africa. And then we can talk about privilege branching out from there, right? It's like, there's that's the case for all of us, right? It's like where we currently live, what freedoms and rights we have. And we talk about rights as if it's something that has to be given to us by law versus birthright of just being human which is another discussion but worth talking about right it's like in the old world we speak of rights as if they need to be given to us and this is not we should not be okay with that thought process this just should be the way things are on planet earth that you are human and the the great i am consciousness self-awareness expresses itself through you therefore you are free (laughs) plain and simple and therefore i guess the word privilege has to come out of another very divisive way of seeing ourselves and seeing the world um that things are not the same everywhere because that's just the way, that's the world we have created. Let's just be honest. Like when we talk about privilege, it means we've created a world where things are unjust. Some people have privilege and some people don't. And perhaps on this planet, I, I wanna be wrong about this. Perhaps on this planet, there is no way to 
I really have to pause and think about it before I say it. It takes fully awakened human beings to bring about a totally just world. That's the statement I want to make. <laughs> and I think that is very, very possible. The country is made up of states and provinces. States and provinces are made up of cities. Cities are made up of families. Families are made up of So it all does start with us right here, right now, whoever or wherever we are, that's where it begins. Everything you're saying, all you, all you have to do is just reach for your community. That's it. Right. It be exactly what you're talking about. Because you're, you're a living example of this lens. So if you're reaching us, we're going to reach people. That's how it begins. That's the momentum. There is a way to reach this world. You're doing it. We are doing it. We are doing it. Thank you. Any other thoughts? Well, I'll share something that I some other thoughts that I just wrote earlier today, I believe. And um, just going back to the one consistent thing in life is I am. The one consistent thing in life is you are. Can I invite you to look at me and say two words? You are. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. You are. And now, can I invite you to, to yourself to say, I am, I am. In one of the earlier talks, it may have been, well, it may have been the last two talks actually. We discussed um, thoughts and the power of the mind and how we conceive what we perceive. And we've been talking around that principle today that human beings have created all of this. We have conceived and are perceiving all of these interesting struggles and um, the nature of division is just something we've created. And the mind is is powerful. Thoughts can be distracting. And I talked about the voice of the ego that uh, is the fuel behind. Ego is, I, I would say, the, the influence that makes us consider there is a solution outside of us that if there's a problem there must be a solution outside of us if I don't like that group of people the solution is they must change right that's that's the nature of the ego um, 
if I'm feeling alone, if I'm feeling depressed, or if I'm feeling anxious, or whatever the negative feeling might be, there must be a solution outside of me. This is where addiction, substance abuse, uh, codependent relationships, all of these sorts of things find the birth, their birthplace, right? Um, there's an ancient story about um, a serpent in the garden who talks to Eve, and Eve is in a place of peace, but the serpent suggests that there's something more that she should look for outside of herself. You should just take a look at this. You should just try this. And in fact, um, the, the, the root word for serpent in ancient Hebrew and Aramaic um, breaks down to uh, a enchanter or an or enchantment or whisperer of spells. Um, it is the ego. When we have thoughts that are not comfortable or feelings that we don't enjoy, these are experiences, right? But they come and go. Thoughts, they come and go. They are not reality because I am right here, right now. I don't come and go, but the thoughts do. And if I allow myself to become entangled or um, knotted up with the thoughts that are coming and going, if I identify with the thoughts, I lose myself. The thoughts are inconsistent. They're not stable. We said the most consistent thing in life is I am. So then I must really be able to differentiate between myself and my thoughts between myself and my mind because the mind is very it's influential but it's also easily influenced and so I must be the guardian of my own mind at some point right I must begin to take responsibility for what I let in because these things that come in become my thoughts I am is all there is. Everything else is an experience which comes and goes, inconsistent, unstable, unworthy of my attachment, my belief, and my identity. What you are, who you are, is the one consistent thing in the universe or the cosmos. I am. Do not be trapped in the illusion of the experience. Remember who you are. All of this experiencing is born out of what is, what you are. So question every experience. Be curious. Don't identify, for they are temporary. You, pure awareness, consciousness, life, is totally reliable. The sky, the air, the wind, the earth, totally reliable. This one unified experience we call life. 
I liked this thought that that I wrote down. It was interesting. Uh, facts are based in systems of thought. These are conceptual and so variable, which also makes them untrue. I thought that was, I was like, whoa. And I, facts are based in systems of thought. Example, you know, our calendar says it's 2020, but there are other ways of viewing the world where the calendar does not say that. It's a different year. It's 2012 in Ethiopia. It's 2012 in Ethiopia. So we would say it's a fact that it's 2020. But that fact is based in this current systemic thought where we are. Um, and then since these are conceptual, this is how they are untrue. What is true and what is truth are not the same. Experience is true only within a system of thought. Truth is outside of the boundaries and constraints of all systems, yet evident within and containing each. That one's that Can you one's say that, again? that one's trippy. Yeah. <laughs> what is true and what is truth are not the same. Experience is true only within a system of thought. So, have you heard someone say? Um, my truth, right? They're basically saying my experience. But it's, it can get a bit tricky. It is true that I am having an experience, but is my experience the truth is where the, the issue is, right? Sure, yes, I'm having an experience, but I know I'm just one perspective of many. Truth is outside of the boundaries and constraints of all systems, yet is evident within and containing each. Just as we said, I am is the most consistent thing that there is. And obviously all of life is enveloped in I am, then that would make it truth. It's like no matter where you go on the planet and no matter who or what you might be, I am is still there. It is consistent. It, it, it cannot be deconstructed. If you believe the thought or the experience is who or what you are, you are conquered by it. And in this sense, I am is truly functional recognition. I would like to suggest or that um, sometime today that even if it's just three minutes that we take um, those three moments <laughs> to to find peace peace that can only come from within 
you know, we can't control wars in the world, but I can control the war within. I can control the voice that always wants to keep me anxious about whatever all the time, the ego. But I can calm that. And when I calm that, I realize more of who I am, how great I am, how powerful I am. And that has nothing to do with um, controlling or manipulating or um, making myself better than anyone else. It removes my attention from what is outside of me, thinking the solutions are out there to knowing that the best solution is right here within. And from that point, perhaps I can make the next best decision on just how to live and how to be in good conversation and how to be a true friend and how to offer um, pure love that asks nothing in return and knowing that that type of love is contagious and can help change things. Are there any thoughts on that? Maybe we'll just take three minutes now. Um, if there are no other comments or thoughts or questions, um, we'll take a few minutes and I'll guide us through. Oh, I want to tell you something I realized over the weekend. Um, The word concentration, it actually means to um, bring thoughts to a close. Concentration. And the word meditation is more about um, speaking and thinking. I had to go uh, look at the etymology of the words and um, I just thought that was interesting because I had the words quite confused and maybe the opposite I maybe thought meditation meant to quiet thoughts and that seems to be the way that it's being used these days and I would have said concentration is being able to uh, focus on thoughts but the etymology of the words say the opposite. I thought, and I was fascinated by it. <laughs> um, so, for three minutes, let's try to concentrate, which is get rid of the thoughts. And um, we'll begin with that now, and I will just guide you. I will ask you to close your eyes for a few minutes and just try to focus on breathing. And thoughts do come and go, and that's okay. The thing that brings us to a point of concentration is not being attached to the thoughts. If they come, they will also go. Let them walk in and let them be free to walk right back out.
thoughts are like sounds. You can sit in a room and the radio may be going and the refrigerator might be working. And these sounds are just in the background and it's okay. Just let them be. When the radio plays, I'm not attached to it. If the refrigerator comes on and back off, I don't really care that much. Thoughts are just like this. In this place of seeing thoughts come and go, hearing thoughts come and go, I can just be okay. I can be at peace. Because I am. knows you by name. It calls you by name. It's unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's, it's otherworldly. And the bush says, I have something for you to do. You can help change the world. This bush calls you by name and says there's something you can do to help the world. And you say, who are you? And the bush answers, I am. As we come back to this space and this moment in time with our eyes open, there was the ancient story of, of Moses who ran across a burning bush that said, I am. And um, this bush seemed to be a physical representation of some sort of the, the voice <clears throat> of what we call God in English. That term is can be translated in some really amazing ways. Um,
that being who decided to uh, show itself as as an illuminated bush said its name was I am and that you and me each one of us have that living I am within. It is consistent, it is stable, it is peaceful, and if we can bring more of who I am to this world, if we can bring more of who you are into this world, then it can definitely be a better place. Did anyone struggle with any thoughts during those three minutes? No struggles? That's good. That's really good. A bird chirped <laughs> right when I said I am. Nice. Well, in a group setting and with a um, facilitator, I suppose, the thoughts are easier to keep at bay. But if you try for three minutes on your own, oh man. <laughs> I think that uh, the thing that really helped me was how you said to let them walk in, let them walk out. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've done meditation before in previous uh, facilitators. Mm -hmm. And a guy in meditation told us to block thoughts. And that became an effort, and okay. it, it kind of defeated the entire thing. Huh. So letting it flow yeah. the way that it would naturally. I had a song stuck in my head while we were just doing this, okay. and I just let it play out for a second, and it was gone. Whereas normally, if you try and fight a song in your head, mm -hmm. it'll stay there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. These are simple tools that work all day long that is let the thoughts come and go you don't have to get involved it's almost like saying mind your own business right it's like don't get involved with with, with with what everyone's up to just mind your own business the thing about thoughts is we we become so attached to them we think that is our business it, it doesn't have to be though right Strong? Strom. Strom. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I want to share um, about thoughts. It's, I love to sit and concentrate. 
that doesn't sound right but it is <laughs> um i find that during the day when i'm going about my duties that that's when ego thoughts can really get a hold of me and i and i get caught up in a narrative as i'm doing my things maybe i'm washing dishes and suddenly th there's a narrative in my mind about a situation and it's typically it's always a situation from the past which is not now meaning it does not exist or a situation about the future again it's not now it does not exist and i am so involved in the story i'm washing dishes and my, my mouth may be moving because I'm even uh, mouthing the words that are flowing through my mind, right? So this idea of concentration doesn't mean we have to be in, in total stillness or in some kind of, uh, you know, sitting position and that things have to be quiet. We can master thoughts all the time. And all it takes is just the beginning practice of recognizing that they come and go and that we can get involved with them. You'll be amazed at um, how it can change your life just on a minute by minute basis to be able to see how thoughts come in and then it becomes laughable. I really can laugh at it and, and speak directly to that egoic part of myself because again these stories aren't usually um peaceful loving stories they're they're anxious types of things or hurtful types of things that have happened right and um that's the the whisperer right the term for the ego or the serpent was a whisperer of spells an enchanter keeping you in this false world this illusion and um I found myself saying, huh, I see that. It's like I'm on to the game now, you know? There's a lot of victory to be had in that. Um, one little uh, move at a time, I guess you could say. Anything else? Thank you for being here. Any last thoughts at all? Okay. Thank you. to the Healing Voice podcast, feel free to email me at thvtv at protonmail.com. You can also request a free copy of my book, Music Everywhere, Elements and Principles of Life We've Been Missing. The Healing Voice is also on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, BitChute, and library.tv. That's lbry.tv. I'll leave the links in the description. And if you'd like to support the work of THV, you can send a donation to the PayPal link below. Thanks for listening.